0: are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, The Summer of Dalton finally begins. Timothy Dalton plays James Bond in 1987's The Living Daylights.
1: Spawned. Hello there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's got a lot of we got we got a lot of Star Wars on the brain. Yeah. That's why it's oh. like yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not a a Star Wars podcast, just
1: James Bond! That's like General Grievous, like, you know, (laughs) like James Bond just popped out like... James Bond! (coughs) (coughs) James Bond! 007! That's a terrible General Grievous. General Kenobi! There we go, that's a a better one. That's a better one? Yeah. Well, Um, hello there. Yeah. Um,
0: Welcome to another episode of the Bondzilla Podcast. Yes. I'm Nick. And
1: I'm Will. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, happy June. Um, happy right it's june it is june when this comes
0: out yeah it's it's summer yeah so we are in the mist
1: <laughs> in the in the mist of the, summer of
0: the summer of dalton this is what we're beginning oh yes
1: yes the summer of of dalton yes yeah because june and then july are yeah. dalton there's only two dalton there are only two dalton. There's timothy there's only... dalton timothy dalton timothy dalton yes his full name is not james name. dalton no it's timothy dalton playing james bond not james bond not James Dalton playing Timothy Bond. <laughs> Timothy Bond sounds like... And not
0: James Bond playing Timothy If Dalton. they ever
1: did, like, James Bond's son. That kind of sounds like a good name, right? Timothy Bond? <laughs> I like that. Mm. All right. Do we have any... Did Was there... I thought there was James Bond news recently. Did they confirm... Okay, here's the thing. Did they confirm the Danny Boyle thing or I, not? Yes, I think. <laughs> The thing is that they
0: really haven't been saying anything about the movie. A movie that is supposed to be coming out next year, I believe. Um, like, it's supposed to be filming soon. And from what I understand, Boyle is on board and they're rewriting the script. And it is going to be Craig's class movie. And other than that, it's... Been pretty silent on the on the Eon front right now. It's almost well, as if because part of it too is to I I also still believe that they don't have a distributor for the next movie because yeah. their contract with Sony ran out with Spectre, and they still have a decision to make on who's actually going to distribute whether they go back to Sony. There I know there were rumors of Warner Brothers picking it up, and there were rumors that um. They even might go crazy, like A twenty four and Apple and Amazon. Like they're they're looking all over the place apparently, but they haven't made any announcements about who's distributing the next movie. And so out-
1: this headline says why Danny Boyle almost turned down directing James Bond twenty five. So yeah. maybe he is directing. I it. think
0: he is, but I don't. But like there wasn't really like official Eon. Like announcement, right. it was more like Boyle's. Like, oh no, I am working on it now. Like that was more gotcha. Like what, okay, what okay. It was.
1: This also says that Helena Bonham Carter is on their wish list to play a villain in a Bond movie, and that that would get me on board. I know you've it, talked about that thing. many many times. Um, that would get me on board. And one of these other uh, headlines say, "Intellectually disabled man with James Bond obsession," and I think that's where <laughs> we'll end the news segment for today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Summer um, of Dalton, Nick's been looking forward to this, uh, you know, Hot Fuzz star uh, Mm -hmm. and um, Toy Story 3 cameo, (laughs) Timothy Dalton. Flash Gordon. Is he in Flash Gordon?
0: Yeah, he's like the prince in Flash Gordon.
1: I don't think I've ever sat down and watched Flash Gordon all the way through. Maybe something we should Which do. Which is like kind of no if you know me is like kind of like, "Oh, really? That's missing from my from repertoire, yeah. my my canon of of film, so mm-hmm. we have to change that." Yeah. All right, are you ready to go? Yes, come on. All right. So we begin. <laughs> we have those
0: two Dalton films. We're going to start with what the, was first the last, one? What was the last what was the last <laughs> Bond movie? The last one <laughs> was <laughs> A View to a
1: Kill. A View to a Kill. And that one was the one with Walken, Yes. Okay, all right, got, all right. I'm up to date. T- <laughs> That's the one you've seen before. I those last couple Bond movies do blend in with each other. Yeah. Oh no,
0: they <laughs> they do. I mean, Octopussy and Voodoo Kill, which is I think like I think For Your Eyes Only stands out.
1: So the movie Dalton. Okay,
0: So we're gonna get into our pre-production and the creation of the Living Daylights from 1987. So. Obviously after View to a Kill, Roger Moore officially retires from the Bond role. Uh and so for the first time in you know, since nineteen seventy three in that era, so first time in about, you know, twelve twelve thirteen years, um, the Bond team is faced with with a blank blank slate. Uh what, clean slate. <laughs> the clean slate. Uh let's not get in the clean slate. Um, add that to the obscure references. <laughs> yeah. Um Which is always interesting to consider, because if you remember, like, right around, you know, when Connery first left, you had, like, three straight movies where, like, you know, actors were leaving and they had to, like, get things together. Sure. Where now it's been this team has been doing the Roger Moore films for over a decade, and now it's back to, like, okay, well, we're back to square one. We have to come up with what we're doing with Bond. This is especially true for Michael G. Wilson, who's written the past two and has risen up the ranks since... Man with the Golden Gun, when he first started to help creatively on these movies. So all of his movies that he's worked on has been the Roger Moore era. So this is his first real time to be like, this is, what do I think? Uh, And also just to mention too, um, Cubby Broccoli's daughter, Barbara Barbara Broccoli. This is also her first producing uh, opportunity for the Bond franchise. So Mm -hmm. the the Broccoli family is kind of a a team here as they try to figure out what they want to do. So Michael G. Wilson and Richard Maybaum Screenwriters are talking to each other, and John and Glenn as well, kind of discussing what they what the idea is for the new Bond. And their first idea is actually a Bond origin story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their initial plan, uh, the initial outline they did, they did two drafts of this outline, was a plan where Bond uh, was a Royal Navy officer who was court-martialed, mm-hmm. and then M comes to him with an offer that if he helps M out an MI6 mission in China that he'll, his court-martial will be, you know, uh, taken away.
1: And this is where we find out about the the Kessel Run and the life debt, all, all that stuff. Indeed. Yeah. Well,
0: it was going to be... Timely!
1: Timely podcast!
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, a lot of it was going to be, uh, so you're going to have, like, a mentor character mm-hmm. that he kind of goes with the mission with. Yeah. He's going to meet Felix for the first time on okay. the mission. Uh, and eventually he was going to make his first, like, hard decision kill, where he kills this Chinese warlord, even though the, the warlord's in, like, a you know a position of, like, not being sure, uh, sure. killed. Uh, and then the movie would have ended with Bond receiving his 007 number and offering uh, a job to investigate uh, a certain Doctor No. Uh, in, oh, so it was like
1: a direct sequel. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was supposed to be a direct prequel. Or, or prequel, yeah. Yeah.
0: And then it would. The idea that Wilson had was that you would kind of get more about like younger Bond adventures and and kind of the Bond characters for him has always been a veteran, right? And uh, but it's always interesting because. You know, today, people talk about, like, why are we doing all origin stories? But even mm-hmm. even then, there was this idea of, like, what 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 have we explored as roots? Well, I had
1: this I, – I i made this comment to somebody. We, we're part of a group chat, so you've probably seen me say this. But, like, it is interesting because I feel like that the, like, creatives and, like, maybe the people behind this a lot of the time don't necessarily have that hang-up of, mm-hmm. like – like, I think a lot of creatives may think, like – yeah, no, that would be cool to explore like, where hi. this guy came Game. from, and I think that they find the fun in like, like if James Bond, like, where did he get like this is the first time he's using the the his the gun, the was was it called the, uh, um, uh, the the Walter Walter, Walter BPK, yeah, yeah, it's like I think again, like I, I guess we should kind of reference the elephant in this conversation is Solo came out, yeah, uh, the the Star Wars movie, and you know a lot of that movie hinges on whether you are okay or not okay with just the concept of like learning all this stuff that was just kind of assumed Mm -hmm. and now you're like seeing it play out and as we've learned some people have that like no that's either pandering pedantic or like you know just kind of unnecessary or or demystifying whereas you know for myself i don't have necessarily that hang up it's kind of like oh it's cool to see but it would have been
0: an alternate like a cool alternate history to see like that you know an origin story for Bond. It's early as 1987. Well, we don't yeah, sure. know, really get something even close to that until Casino Royale comes out. Um, but yeah, so they pitch this. They write two drafts of an outline for it. Um, but Cubby is not on board, as he says, "quote We don't want to see where Bond's been. We want to see where Bond is going." Sure. Yeah. So he's very just, much just what like, I was talking about. <laughs> give, it, give us, give us a, give it another chance. Mm-hmm. Give it another look. Uh, so they decide to go back once again to the Bond short stories. Uh, and they pick a short story called The Living Daylights. Uh, and for the short story, basically the whole sniper sequence that comes after the opening title song and stuff like that, that whole thing up to where Bond drops the title of the movie is basically the short story. Uh, mm-hmm. So they build this character. They build it around that. They come up with the, you know, what's the deal with this, uh, you know, female assassin that Bond refused to kill. Uh And, like, what would be the kind of deal around that? And so they take a lot of inspiration at this time from real-world events. Uh, There was a famous defection of a KGB agent to America who then defected back to Russia. So that's where that plot line kind of comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, Russia was in a major war with Afghanistan at the time. Mm -hmm. So there's Mm -hmm. kind of some Mm -hmm. of that politics uh, started to seep into the script mm-hmm. so as they're developing the script they're developing it without the knowledge of who bond's gonna be mm-hmm. so mgm and united artists really really want cubby broccoli to cast mel gibson as wow James Bond. and they actually said we can get him for like 10 million for a two film deal we can do that we we're in we're in with him but cubby is very much like no where
1: is this in mel gibson's career
0: um it's right clearly
1: ar- before he went crazy you know, clearly, like, yeah yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah it's right it's right around like the lethal weapon like, yeah okay. i think he is a known name at this time and that's one of the reasons that cubby was like no we, we. did mad
1: max happen uh at yes this point? yes yeah, max okay. max would have happened yeah, at right. this point
0: um also so they start auditioning uh so uh, auditioning uh is one of the auditions is christopher lambert uh who is the Highlander. This for bon. Yes, for Bob, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a Highlander. yeah the Highlander. Yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. he would be playing Highlander right after this. Okay. But after all the auditions, there's one person that stands out. The future star. <laughs> uh huh. Of Jurassic Park three.
1: Sam Neill. Sam Neill. Sam. Okay. All right.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I I didn't want to say Jurassic Park because you would immediately went to Goldblum. And I didn't want you to be disappointed. <laughs>
1: No, but Though Sam. now you got in my head a Sam Neil as Bond and Goldblum as the villain. <laughs> either Goldblum as a villain. Ooh, Goldblum is Q. Come <laughs> on, man. Goldblum Q. Sam Neill is Bond. I'm gonna let go of my female Q if I get like it's got to be either female Q or Goldblum is Q. Okay. Come on. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that great? No. I w-
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, Sam Neil. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilson, Barbara, Broccoli, Glenn, all want to like, this is our guy. Mm -hmm. But Cubby is just not convinced. He's just like, "I, I just don't feel it. Cubby has it in his head that he wants Timothy Dalton. But now Dalton is a little more open to it. He's been doing a lot more film work. Uh, in the past couple years, and he's thinking about maybe I could do something with the, with the Bond character because he is a fan of the Bond books and he loves Ian Fleming as a writer. Mm-hmm. And he would be he was kind of thinking, well, maybe I can really bring it back to what the Fleming, the edge of that Fleming character, the guy who's always on the edge of death, uh, as he would describe it. Uh, but as Dalton and uh, Eon and Cubby are in negotiations, it's eventually figured out that the schedule that. So 1987 is going to be the 25th anniversary of Bond. So they want to have this big 25th anniversary, you know, push and marketing and all that sort of stuff. So they have a set date for 1987 and Dalton realizes that he's going to be finishing filming a movie Mm -hmm. in America called Brenda Starr, which is a piece of shit. (laughs) Quickly, Brenda Starr is about like the most like influential comic strip female character of all time. Uh Uh-huh. And the lead is a man who's writing the Brenda Starr comic, and it's like really not good. So basically, but Dalton signed on for that movie, and he can't get out of the contract. Mm-hmm. And Eon won't delay the production because they have like you know him, the MGM has the date set up. So Dalton uh, unfortunately does not sign.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so Cubby goes with his second choice, Pierce Brosnan. So Brosnan's doing a TV series at the time called Remington Steel on CBS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but. The CBS has essentially like canceled it. They only mm. they have like you know two months to like you know a couple months to like renew it, and they haven't yet. So, Brosnan is essentially signed on.
1: Oh, this I know. Yes, this story. Yeah, I, I think I know this story.
0: So Brosnan is essentially signed on. so yeah. they start casting the rest of the movie now. So uh, just to get through the casting, mm-hmm. we have uh, Marion Diop. Oh, you're not gonna you're not gonna finish up that story. Oh, I mean, I gotta I got Okay, I gotta, all right, all right. Gotta, I'm gonna, yeah. get, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna go in order. Okay, okay. Miriam Diabo as Kara, our Bond girl here. Sure. Uh, she originally tested for the role of the agent in uh, View to a Kill. And Barbara Broccoli remembered her, liked her so much that she invited Kara to do some of the audition scenes uh, for some of the Bonds. Uh, and Wilson and Glenn were doing those scenes with the you know, Bond actors, with like the, the Neils and the Lambert's and all the other people they tested. And they just liked Kara so much and just thought she had a good personality. Or sorry, uh, Miriam that she had a good personality, that she really was a great actor, actress in those scenes, so casted her as Kara. We also have uh Krabi Krabby as the general um Jorgi Kozgov, mm-hmm. our villain of the movie. Uh he is a Dutch actor, huge Bond nerd. So when mm-hmm. he came in for his audition, he just was like, I'm just gonna be straight up. When I was a kid, I since I saw like Doctor No, I've always wanted to be in a Bond movie. So like anything I can do to do this mm-hmm. and they had liked him from other performances, so it was pretty much a, a, a sure yeah. a, a good thing. Uh, also, Joe Don Baker, as Brad Whitaker, the arms dealer, <laughs> uh, and um, John Reese Davies. John Reese Davies as General Gimli. Pushkin. So Gimli John, John Reese John Davies is interesting because it was a rather last minute casting mm-hmm. because the John Reese Davies role, the General Pushkin role, so he's the head of the KGB in the movie, mm-hmm. was intended. To be the General Gogol character that we've seen throughout these movies, yeah. Um, But Walter Gotell, who was who played Gogol, was was very sick at the time, Mm -hmm. and so they're like, "Well, we still want to involve him. We'll get him in a cameo at the end." So they create the General Pushkin character to like kind of take over that role, and John Reese Davies is the man who gets it. Mm
1: -hmm. And um, it is interesting though that like looking at this cast list and watching the movie is like we are now approaching the time where. Now I'm starting to recognize more people in these movies. Yeah,
0: I told you that, like, you'd start to kind of recognize. Yeah, like, John
1: Reese Davies was the big one. Yeah. Um, but the guy who plays, uh, Brad Whitaker, yeah. Um, that was like a, like, I've seen him in a bunch of movies Mm -hmm. and and other Bond movies, uh, uh, too, which we'll talk um, about down the line, too. But, uh, yeah, it's just interesting that now it's like, oh, I'm recognizing people.
0: All right. So, and then we'll talk more about the cast during the actual production Mm -hmm. that things bring up. But, so, basically, they're about to start shooting. Like, they're all good to go. We're just, just waiting on Brosnan to basically officially get out of his Remington Steel contract. But the buzz starts building around. All the stuff about, oh, Brosnan's going to be our new Bond. It's going to be this big production, 25th anniversary. Starts to kind of get around Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And the producers and the executives at CBS like, wait a minute. We have this Brosnan guy under contract. We still have a day or two to, like, renew it. Mm-hmm. Why don't we? Why don't we give him another shot? So, legitimately, after Remington Steele, after the season ended, they had sixty days, two months, to renew the contract, or it was done. Right. Legitimately, on the sixtieth day, they they renew Remington Steel for like a limited seven episode run. And so, and CBS is like, oh, we'll negotiate with Eon, and we'll be like, oh, like we'll have them at both, and we'll do them both, and it'll be this big star for us. And Cubby's like. I want my Bond to be Bond. I don't right. want him to be a TV star who's also Bond. Right, like he, yeah. Well, he, he wanted to embody Bond. Right,
1: because so. going back, it's like that was like definitely like – you didn't you didn't mix TV and film. Yeah, especially like,
0: at that time, yeah.
1: But it was just TV like – TV star is not a film star. It's just it's just not done Yeah, at that time. At that time. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So Eon just basically drops Brosnan and just is like it's not going to work because Brosnan – is basically stuck he can't get out of that contract because of the way it was set up mm-hmm. if cbs renewed it and what's funny about that too is that they didn't even film all seven of the episodes they ordered they ordered they only did five and they're mm-hmm. like okay well he's not bonded anymore so who gives a shit <laughs> uh so the filming has to be it's at strange. the last minute delayed and now the bond team is scrambling with, like we have to get a new bond like we have to we have like you know two weeks like we really have to get this thing going cubby realizes that with this delay right Dalton's gonna be available again. Uh-huh. So basically they work it out, they call Dalton, explain to him what happened, and offer him the role again, and Dalton accepts.
1: And that's also funny because, you know, we've had a lot of stories about how production problems happen now. And then it usually involves the director stepping off or something. And then it's like, well, we need to get a director to come in here and, like, you know, fix this or finish it or whatever. It's just funny. You never hear it's like, well, we need our lead star. Like, our movie's about to begin. Who's our lead? Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's crazy. And
0: Dalton does, again, get very involved with, like, well, I want to capture this Ian Fleming character. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of thoughts I have. And so they kind of take that the once they kind of get Dalton in, they just kind of do one last pass of the script to kind of really tailor it to like what Dalton wants to do with the character. Right. Um, so that is finally our is casted as officially mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton. And with that, we're just going to get a few little production stories.
1: I, li- I like a good production story.
0: And then we're going to get to talk about the living daylights. All right. Let's do it. All what right. What do you got? How so, is this movie made? So shooting begins. Uh. With the Rock, Rock of the Gibraltar, they started kind of like a week and a half before Dawn arrives. They started doing that opening sequence mm-hmm. where the the three agents land. One of them is Bond, and all that. So the trucks take trucks right, 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 right right, 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 Yeah. Um. So again, B J Worth, who did the jump of the off a tile in the last movie, uh, he they they're like, well, they're the rocks of Gibraltar. It's a very narrow area. We want to do the skydiving, but it might not be safe. But so we maybe we'll lower them on the cranes. Yeah. But BJ Worth is like, that's not a Bond movie. Bond right. movie,
1: we jump on Bond movies.
0: So despite the wind conditions, <laughs> there's no
1: cops to arrest me on this island, <laughs> on
0: this island either. Yeah. <laughs> um. So BJ Worth plans it out, and they basically a thing that was supposed to take a couple of days. Mm-hmm. The jumps happen in one day. They just find three locations, three just skydivers jump and land, and that's the big opening sequence mm-hmm. of that. Uh, there's also the car chase that kind of happens at the end of that opening sequence, mm-hmm. and that caused them a little bit of trouble, too, because at one point, the car has to go off like the cliff and right, explode. Right, mm-hmm. And so they did some testing, of like, "Well, what if we could just drop a car off a plane and, you know, and then like have a parachute come out and all this sort of stuff, and it would look really cool, like an actual car. Uh, so they went to the Mojave Desert in California to do some testing with it and like kind of you know shoot it in, in a certain way. Uh, but the problem was they dropped two cars, and both times the parachute that was supposed to kind of make the car go a little bit down easier to shoot mm-hmm. got tangled within the, the the rover itself. Sure. So you see the footage of it kind of coming down, and then it just you see the end result where it's just a flattened like flattened car. Right, right. Because so it was a little more lightweight mm-hmm. than normal. So eventually they just shoot it off an air cannon, like off some coast in England, and then blow up a model for mm-hmm. like the actual blow up. So, essentially, Bond, uh, or the uh, assistant director Woodster, Arthur Woodster, is like, okay, we're going to get some close-ups of you on top of the Jeep as you're kind of, like, you know, hanging on. We're just going to get some close-ups, get some good, nice shots of you. It's going to be good. But Dalton's like, no, I can I can wriggle around, and I can, like, start falling off and everything like that. And he's mm-hmm. like, so he's like, because Dalton's like, if I'm going to be Bond, the, the audience should see me as Bond. Sure, yeah. I should be in these stunt sequences. And... uh Arthur Wister, the assistant director, just describes his panic mode as, like, he's like, okay, we're going to get some close-ups. And Dalton is just, like, going all out, like, doing all the action and, mm-hmm. like, like wriggling about and, like, stabbing, like, really hard at the mm-hmm. roof and stuff. And, and he was like, I'm, I couldn't wait to get him off because I was so panicked. Sure, But really, Dalton was, like, even though he was coming at the last minute and he was, you know, already, like, jet-lagged and, like, hadn't had a break between films, he was, like, all in on, like, getting this character down and, and doing the best movie he could. Uh... So another action sequence they have later in the movie is on the Hercules aircraft. They have their uh, Necros, who is the uh, yeah, the the, the assassin. Yeah. And uh, Bond are fighting on this.
1: This this net. This is the one I wanted to hear about because this really I had a lot of questions about this one. Okay, So it's a kind of well, to paint the picture. Yeah. I know this is getting into the movie, but to paint the picture, it's like they're on a giant plane Mm -hmm. and there's like a net. Kind of filled with a bunch of potato sacks, essentially. Yeah. Uh, filled with drugs. Yeah. And it and it's basically kind of like it makes like a giant platform as it's like hanging off of the back of the plane, so you can kind of grab onto it. It's like mm-hmm. a big net full of sacks, and it's like a big platform that you can like hang onto. And then Bond and this guy are fighting on that. Yeah. Like, they're like hanging onto it while they're flying in midair. Yes. And it it it's very. So anyway, so that's it. So explain that to me.
0: Okay, so they basically took a real Hercules airplane, the one yeah. they were going to use, like on the ground and everything like that. Um, and they came up with this contraption where, like this, like nine hundred pound, like net, basically full of this, like equivalent of drugs or whatever. You're right, right. Yeah, was going to hang out, and the two stuntmen were going to hang on to it and pretend to fight. Right. And
1: but like while they are flying yes, in the air, yes so that's real that is all real that's crazy because the thing is like it looked real but it's also so absurd (laughs) that i'm like it can't be real like that is like literally there's a couple like you will die if that goes wrong there's a couple
0: of really good stories about this one of the ones they have to do so first they have to do it with the full cargo netting sure Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's like kind of gyrating around the air and like bj worth again who is doing it and he has to like get on the back side of it and then climb back up mm-hmm. and he he said that they did the shot and it was great but he was so exhausted that he was just like holding on and he was he had this signal where he would open his mouth and that would like they had like these hooks and cables that would pull the thing back in mm-hmm. and he was basically like hanging on just because, like i'm so tired it's got to hang on until i can get back in the plane but the real story but about they're
1: hanging outside of like a
0: flying plane yes the real story about this sequence... So, the, after they do all that, they get all the shots down of, like, the full cargo net. There's a part of the movie where they have, like, Bond, like, cuts the net open and all the drugs, like, fly, fly out. Uh, after Necros falls off. So, the guy like, falls off and then he pulls his parachute. That's all fine. So, BJ Worth is hanging on. He's the Bond double. And he has this thing where he has, like, these hooks next to him where, like, he can just pull a ripcord and, like, the drugs will start flying out. Right, right, yeah. So he does it and at one point you know after all the drugs have gone out bj worth bond has to climb back in right yeah but now this net that had been really heavy with all these drugs
1: yeah is no nothing in it no yeah think of it it's like you you like you're hanging on to a big bag of laundry like yeah. you know like think about like that just as a like a concept i'm talking to the viewers Yeah, like it's like so you're holding on to like this big bag and then once it starts emptying, it's just like a piece of like flimsy fabric you're hanging on to. Yes. Like, that's yep. crazy. BJ Worth
0: suddenly realizes that this netting is wildly going up and down. Yes! And he's like, oh my God, if this goes up too high, I'm going to hit my head yes! on the top of the plane and knock myself out, yes! which is why the backup guy was there in the first place. So basically, he ducks his head down and he says he didn't hit it, but his the backpack with his parachute in it. Yeah. like he did feel it hit up the top of the plane. Sure. Eventually, he made it in safely. Um, they the miniature work on this movie mm-hmm. is really insane. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: yeah, there's was a couple good choice miniatures and well, because the, there's the things. one
0: one of the other ones I got to mention before we get to the last one, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a miniature thing, but the last story is that there's a, at one point there's a bridge and they have to blow up the bridge. Yeah.
1: And Why don't we get to that when we talk about the movie? I could do that. Yeah, okay, I think that's probably good. better. If we have one more story, we get that. All right, we have one more that. story, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: and that is related to the ice chase, the ice chase sequence Yeah, uh, yeah, at yeah the yeah. end of the movie. Uh, there's another ice chase. But this one's a little bit different because it has a car in it. Yeah. And this is the return uh-huh. of Aston Martin yes. to the Bond franchise. Yeah. Uh, so, good old Aston Martin. So this is the Aston Martin Volante V8 um and they're they were like well you know again we're celebrating the 25th anniversary we can kind of you know people people always still talk about the aston martin db5 from goldfinger that's like the car for everybody mm-hmm. and so they're like well we can return to aston martin we can kind of pay homage to you know the origins of bond car roots so they're filming on this frozen lake in austria and um It's 30 30 degrees below 0. Mm-hmm. So at one point they have this thing where the car basically like it gets like a jet boost right. and jumps over like all these officers and like a um you know like a hut and stuff sure, like sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. And they have this thing where they're going to put like compressed air in the car and it's going to like basically make the car go faster. But well, the problem is because it was 30 degrees or below 0 the Air base, the, the vents that it used basically froze up oh. and like huh. instead of opening really quickly uh-huh. and like boosting the car they opened up very slowly <laughs> so you see this shot of the car they're doing the thing and it just goes zoop boom yeah. and like crashes into this hut they built yeah and like the stunt guy he's actually one of the newer ones on the franchise and he's like freaking out he's like oh man that was, that was a disaster uh-huh. and Cubby's on set with them and he's like in his little coat and he's like it's, it's gonna be fine we'll, we'll come back tomorrow it's gonna be all good so that is finished they have one more scene in the film and that is the cello uh, ski. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So yeah. this was a Glenn idea, and it came from when they were writing the film. They were at MGM, and Glenn pitched this, the director, of course. And Maybaum and Wilson were like, that, that could never work. One person can't fit in the cello case, much less two. John Glenn went over to an MGM soundstage, brought over a cello case, and fit both him and Michael Wilson in it. And they were like, okay, I guess that works then. So they build out a fiberglass one with skis, and there's a control panel that Dimity Dalton is secretly using. Um, but the really funny thing about this sequence is that basically, essentially, the braking system was essentially non-existent on this thing. Mm-hmm. So they're sliding down this hill with this fiberglass cello case and having the cello to like steer and like another other steering device and they're like trying to get these shots and like you have people chasing them and holding onto them with cables and stuff mm-hmm. and there's this one hysterical shot in the bonus features that i had to bring up it's basically like Mary malvo is like talking about how crazy the sequence was the film and how like terrifying it was and they just show this shot of like well there's one point where like the scene was ended but we just couldn't stop and you see one of like the film like the cameraman Basically, like jump after them and just face plant on the snow, mm-hmm. and eventually, like Dalton did, like it, like in real life, did like a little like kind of Fast and the Furious style, like like turn where like he turned really quickly mm-hmm. and eventually stopped the car. Uh, but it was a very crazy sequence to the film. But that ends the filming yeah. of the Living Daylights, and we have a movie to talk about.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. That's a good. Yeah, that that uh, that plain one did uh, did strike me as very. Very interesting, mm-hmm. but yeah, let's but, just. But
0: really, it's like other. I mean, it was generally smooth production once you got past like the, sure the yeah. craziness of the casting. Yeah,
1: it was more of a of a pre-production thing. But uh, all things considered, pretty tame. Yeah, pretty tame production, but
0: still some insanity to be had.
1: So, uh, all right, uh, let's talk about it. Let's do it.
0: <lifespan> Cheer up, Saunders. The operation's a success. Officially still yours. I have no intention of leaving it at that, 007. I'm reporting to Em that you deliberately missed. Your orders were to kill that sniper. Stuff my orders. I only kill
1: professionals. i did no one end of a rifle from the other. Go ahead, tell him what you want. If he fires me, I'll thank him for it. Whoever she was I must have scared the living daylights out of her.
0: Hey! We're back. <laughs> All right. we're ready to talk about...
1: So the the summer of Dalton Nick what about the summer of Dalton I I have a couple questions what what is so fascinating about this era of two films (laughs) that is so fascinating to you to me and segue that into what is your feelings on this movie
0: Dalton I think to me is the most fascinating of the Bonds because He's the one that's most often forgotten or not talked about or kind of, like, pushed to the side. Right. Because even Lazenby, even though he did one movie, there's the whole thing about, like, what that movie is and the story of Lazenby and Connor, like, the first, like, new Bond and, like, the, you know, kind of the ending of that movie. Everybody still kind of keeps that in, in, in check. Whereas, like... The Dalton movies, and this is going a little bit the aftermath, but i was just talk about like the Dalton movies to a lot of people are like the transition. It's mm-hmm. the transition between kind of the old school Bond way and the more modernization of it that happens in GoldenEye when, mm-hmm. when Brosnan finally gets on the franchise. So the Dalton movies, this like era of like these two films are just like to just sometimes feel like they're not there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a connective tissue yeah, and of it, like two eras. It's two eras. And... I've always just been fascinated by like this era of bond and like the, the, the Dalton performance in the era. And I just think it's a very fascinating thing to talk about, especially now having gone through all these movies, Mm -hmm. kind of really seeing where the Dalton films place themselves in because it's Especially the next one is like very fascinating. But I find that this one is a very fascinating one too, just to the watch and talk about. And for me <laughs> re-watching this movie, man, this is one of my all-time favorites. Really? I love okay. this movie. I I I've always been like a defender of this movie. I some this is a movie where like you know, I've showed it to people, and I've kind of talked about, like, what I like about it so much. So, this one is, like, very familiar with. Mm-hmm. But, like, re just watching it, like, after watching all these movies in a row, like, I- there's just there's a pure joy I get from watching this movie in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really, really enjoy it. I really like it.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I... I don't know if I share your enthusiasm with this one as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I <laughs> if mean, I'll it's, be it's, honest; it's, fair. it's uh, fair. I here's the thing: I thought it's it starts out strong and settles into eh, eh-ness mm. very quickly <laughs> for me and. It did make me think about what's to come because I've seen most of the Brosnan movies. So it it did. So in this way, because here is the biggest thing and the biggest praise I will give it, and we had talked about this last time. I think we had talked about this on the Godzilla episode as well, is that now we are entering the period where both of our franchises are entering new eras. Mm -hmm. Like like, these are new directions they're going in. And one of the things that I did like about this movie... Was that now we're getting into James Bond, like the secret agent, like yeah. the, like the, like the, not like super spy, always like wearing a tux and like doing, like, you know, being all proper and stuff like that, but also like rough around the edges. Like, this is like Mission Impossible, Ethan Hunt type, <laughs> like Bond. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm only saying that because you, you show me the most recent Mission Impossible, which in many ways, like, kind of, tonally felt similar in, in mm. several areas of the movie um what i will say about this movie because i i felt like it started off very strong yeah um i like timothy dalton because timothy dalton for the first time you can tell just in how he is directed and how he plays the role it just feels like now we're out of the stylistic bond mm-hmm. And now we're into, like, no, this guy is a secret agent assassin who's going on missions. Yeah, and I... And so I thought Timothy Dalton uh, fit into that role very well. And, like,
0: from... I mean, I'm just going to get this out of the way now. Because mm-hmm. it's going to color a lot of my thoughts in the Sure, movie. sure. I think Dalton's my favorite Bond. Really? As a performance.
1: Inter- oh, wow, that's interesting. Because
0: I... It's funny that you mentioned that you felt Roger Moore played Bond like a real dude in the last one. Yeah. And I feel like there's there's such a naturalness to the way Dalton plays this Bond.
1: But there but sorry to interrupt, but this goes back to like Moore, he's playing that like that. I don't want to say cliche, but that traditional Bond. Yeah, yes. He's playing like the smooth talking, yeah. always has a quip yeah. up his li- Like he's playing that Bond and he makes that Bond feel like a normal guy. Like this Dalton feels like a normal real world bond yeah, if that makes and sense. And I think
0: that's really what captures me about his performance of Bond. Yeah. And just like there's just some scenes and like some of his acting choices here that really like I can't imagine like Connery or or, you know more doing because like you said they're they're in like a different mode it is a different era and I just feel that like watching Dalton here I just am so enamored by the way he plays Bond and like and from reading up on him like the influence he had on that kind of performance and the direction of that and kind of him really kind of getting into the character Mm -hmm. and and trying to find it and you know as an actor and i think that really just like kind of brings me in and there's just a lot of little moments throughout the movie that really just pulls me into his performance well
1: there's a lot of characterization stuff that i really liked in the movie um i mean they kind of make it seem like he's also a guy with a code like you know they everybody's like uh they uh what what was it um like there's the sniper at the, who ends up being the bond girl yeah and uh he makes a judgment call like well that's actually not really a sniper that's somebody who's not like I don't kill uh, like, I, only, I only, kill, only kill professionals. I only kill professionals. So it's and just like,
0: if it's like, if, if M fires me, I'll thank him for yeah, it. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and that's where it's like, and I thought like all that kind of stuff was strong because now we're reinventing Bond, which is kind of funny because I'm the guy who like always, I kind of want these movies to get back to being sillier, which mm-hmm. I know people would roll their eyes at. But it is interesting that now that we've binged all these movies, it's kind of interesting it to go into that more serious yeah. direction, which and it's interesting and I don't want to go too far ahead like I, like maybe for me like things like was it gold goldfinger is that is that the first? not goldfinger uh goldeneye goldeneye like maybe Goldeneye kind of finds that a little bit more of a balance for me a little bit more no, I um because even like this movie and it I didn't really have a passionate feeling about it anyway like it still has those bond flourishes. Which didn't take away from the movie, but I also didn't feel like, like really added to the movie.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm on the opposite end. Yeah, I think. like I feel like I like the mixture of it in this movie. Like, yeah, I like that it's still kind of the the craziness of Bond and like the crazy stunts and some of those flourishes that you have, mm-hmm. alongside kind of this kind of grittier kind of bond sure act, sure act performance and interpretation I,
1: and i think maybe it's for me what there was another bond movie that we talked about where there was crazy stuff in it but it didn't like maintain throughout the movie enough to be it was entertaining moon,
0: It was moonraker
1: no it couldn't have been moonraker well,
0: no that wait, movie just, ends with them in space <laughs> uh which, which po- one was it possibly octopussy
1: i think it may have been octopussy well th-
0: there was a part where it was like the middle of moonraker uh,
1: well let's talk about like so the first the opening of this movie yeah is like they're like all right they're on like cuz they're on like a test mission right. it, is it, what it's it like it a is. test mission yeah yeah they're on a test mission and within this test mission they jump out of the plane is that m on the plane yes, with them out, that's yeah. m on the plane so they jump out of the plane and also they reveal m's like oh shoot and they reveal that m's office is just in, in the, the plane. plane as well <laughs> yes which is great and i felt like as the movie went on it was less and less of that which i know people would probably argue like well it's supposed to be more serious as it gets along but maybe i'm just kind of like but that kind of maybe you could have in like interwoven some of that like those sillier elements because that's really silly and i'm all uh, about it like and then it ends and then it's like like that happens when the Bond theme kicks in. It's like this kind of like hip hop version. A, the synth. I, all right,
0: yeah. The score. It's great. Yeah. I, I, I I'll talk about this. But, score at some but point.
1: then and then like you said, you had mentioned it, and then it gets back to Bond's old nonsense about he they fly off the cliff in a plane. He opens up a parachute, flies out of the plane onto a yacht where there's just a woman ready to have sex with him or just very willing. To have sex with him, and I'm like, all right, like th- I couldn't get a grasp after that of like, what, movie? where are we going with this? I mean, I love it, yeah, but but for I, me, the se- it's interesting that you said that this movie was all based off of that short story about uh, the sniper and everything, yeah, because that's what sold me on the movie.
0: Oh, that scene, the whole sequence is so good. Yeah, no, that's so good, that,
1: and it's the probably the best part of the movie. Oh, I, 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 think. I,
0: I would, I would not like disagree with you but just go back to the opening sequence for a second again just love like the introduction of dalton you have like the three agents and it's like you you know like obviously we go in knowing Dalton's bond but like it's like you have these three agents and you have like the whole thing and like the dalton hanging on the top of the car is great like everything again i'm just so into into it well
1: this movie made me think of you know it'd be insane this would be crazy and you could never do this Mm -hmm. but what if you had a bond movie that you just went into the movie you never knew who Bond was cast as, and they open up with a scene like, like this, that. and then that th- in that scene, they reveal that, like, Idris Elba is Bond, like, something <laughs> yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Like, that would, that be, would be crazy. I mean, you, yeah, you couldn't get away with no, that. Yeah, I no, mean, it's it, 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 impossible. Unless um,
0: you, like, shot three different movies yeah. and, like, eat leaked each one, and like, <laughs> which one's the real Bond? No, but, like, everything about that and, like, this the synth score, like, John Barry's... That's fun. It's fun. But, you know, like, the whole sniper thing... With with Saunders, the, the jerk, other yeah, agent, Yeah, loved it. Bond, like, just like, again, and just the way kind of Glenn shoots it is just like the whole thing where, you know, Bond's talking about, like, he's using, you know, steel tips or whatever because they use, you know, KT mm-hmm. using rubber armor. Then the other Saunders recognizes, oh, it's the girl with the cello that Bond, like, pointed out to be at the, at the, right, well, in, the right. in the opera at the beginning. Because, so.
1: Yeah, and then so that that all stuff is great, and I like the beginning. I like this stuff. I I, I wasn't thrilled with the the design of MI six headquarters, but that's more of a nitpick. Um, but like, I, I was all into it at that. But then, for me, the only time it ever continues to get... well, there's the whole like ice chase, and then they like fly into the cabin, and then they they drive with the cabin still on top yeah. of them, which is kind of fun. Uh, but then, like, there it's pretty much normal up until the end of the movie in which the Brad Whitaker is like basically a Batman villain and he, he like he's like he I can imagine, like, he's, like, the Riddler or the Penguin or something because he's got, like, this house, this military house where all these toys are attacking Bond. And I'm like, this is fun. Like, this is – I like, that's the kind of – like, if that were maybe a little bit more of the third act. Mm. I, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, this movie kind of had a – I did have to be like, all right, how much time is left in oh. this a little bit? like Because especially, like – because I did like the plane scene. Like I said, yeah. I was very – uh, impressed with that stunt but when that ended and there was more then i was kind of like all right where what where are we and this kind of brings up my question I, I have to relinquish my guess on this one yeah what is this movie about what is going all on? right because i followed it up until a certain point i'm like wait what <laughs>
0: okay so uh that sniper sequence at the beginning is about the defection of general college golf yeah um uh, a kgb higher up that's supposedly supposed to defect to britain yes okay right uh and so basically they they successfully get him out Mm -hmm. and then it seems that the kgb snipe him back up but this was all an intentional ploy from kosgoth uh for a kind of a triple threat of of things to do one um, he's, got, he's making it seem like John Rhys-Davies' character, General Pushkin, who's the new head of the KGB, mm-hmm. is basically going crazy. That like he's killing off all these spies, he's trying to start a new nuclear war, mm-hmm. and then he has to be eliminated. He's hoping that Pushkin gets eliminated because then he can basically you know, pretend that he set this all up to kind of save Pushkin, come back to Patricia, B- right. get back to the top while also getting this arms deal where he's going to sell a bunch of diamonds and get rich quick. Right. As well as basically become a hero of the Russian people.
1: I got to be honest. That's still like, what? (laughs) See, I, that,
0: that is one of the things I love about this movie. Yeah. It's like, I, the, the layers of the plot and Mm -hmm. the plan and like kind of the, it's a very, again, it's a very old school spy nature type of deal where it's Mm -hmm. like, you got layers upon layers of like things and plans and who knows what. And I've, Again, like you, like the ones that I like, you know, like From Russia with Love, and I think this kind of happens too in,
1: you know, For Your Eyes Only. Mm-hmm. And I really
0: realize like, I love that kind of plot style of, like, now, like the machinations one, of the plot and, like, all that sort of stuff. One
1: thing I did like about it, though, because I did like – because ultimately, like, Brad Whitaker is, like, this warmongering American, mm-hmm. um, who, which is an interesting character, maybe may because – you know, in the climate right now, it may be a little bit eye-rolling, may not be, like, the number one thing you want to see right now, but it was, like, interesting. Like, it's, like, this guy who's like, talks about, like, America's best invention was war, like, like things like that. Brad Whitaker, uh, yeah. the
0: arms deal? Exactly.
1: So, it's, like, so that was... So that's interesting, and I like that they do kind of play this card. Like, it is kind of a little convoluted because you have this American and this Russian and this assassin working for each other. But yeah. then they also have, like, well, the assassin, he's like, the, he's like this Russian assassin who's like, well, I mean... I don't wanna fuck up like the Russians doing their thing. Like yeah. I still like the Russians, even yeah. though we're doing our thing. Yeah. So I did like that it was convoluted in that way. But it was also interesting, I didn't think about this until now, of like of all the times, of all the great setups for like a Spectre. Mm-hmm. that may be it like yeah. like that's actually an interesting setup for this secret organization that kind of has their hands and in everything. all the pots yeah. yeah like it, no, it's it, that's very true it, it's, it's an, very not true. to say like this movie would have been better for it but i was just thinking mm-hmm. like oh that's actually an interesting setup yeah no, uh, but for I, that.
0: I i love kind of like that moment to me when kozgov basically is on, they're on the when bond's been captured and he's on the plane and kozgov's basically talking about like all his like backups and bond bon backups of like well, I'm going to be a Russian hero now. Plus, i you know he. I have these diamonds. Plus, you know, I'm I'm turning you in for the murder of you know Pushkin, and it's all going to be
1: sure. Know, I'm sure. all I'm
0: all going to be resolved here.
1: Uh, I, you know, it was just interesting because, but at that same time, there were all those kind of cool personalities of who the villain was. But yeah. then it, it kind of, but then there's like long stretches of time, and it was the same thing with um not lit not um uh View to a Kill, but the movie before that Octopussy. Yeah, it was like an octopusy where you have like these interesting setup with these villains, but then there's long stretches of the movie where they're just not in the movie. Mm. And then for me at least I kind of lose a little bit of I, I kinda of lose track of like, wait, so the villain is this guy and this is the plan and Right. Like I I'm too stupid to watch these movies, I mm. think. <laughs> I just I, I really cause as yeah. soon as they introduce, then they introduce like the Afghan, the Afghanistan element to it. Yeah. That's when I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like I just I have lost track of what's going on in this movie. I mean it's interesting because you're right, they bring in like the political stuff going in. But then it's like there's merit to it mm-hmm. because even though there's <laughs> It's questionable, like I, I like I, like we could question some stuff about like uh, like you know how like some of the Afghanistan characters fit in, but at the same time, it is kind of like interesting to be like, well, now they're buddies with Bond, mm-hmm. yeah. like that's interesting. Yeah, Felix I mean, is just thrown into this movie oh, for I was, no I was reason. <laughs> <laughs> for the for the first time since living that die, <laughs> yeah. we have Felix Leiter in this movie. Um, also, I thought Q was gonna die in this movie. <laughs> because there's that one scene where he like takes medicine and I'm like oh no cues out he's going to die in this movie <laughs> I thought well I thought yeah I want I'll talk
0: about so yeah for first time since living that die so first time basically 12 years or so uh 12 14 years uh Felix Leiter mm-hmm. returns yeah as played by John Terry mm-hmm. who uh would go on to fame as the lead in NCIS mm. um I love just. You mean this is a put up job? I I love this movie. I'm sorry. I just do. It's hard for me to talk about. I, Feel I guess
1: like Felix Leiter though. Like that's a great role for like. Like I know he's I know he's not American, but you know who could play Felix Leiter like really well? Who? Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Because Ben Mendelsohn, I I always say he plays a great ass hat. <laughs> If you've seen Rogue One or Ready Player One, he's in a lot of one movies. Yes, <laughs> um, but like he just plays a lot of good ass It's like just somebody like that. Like again, I know I watched the movie recently, but that guy in Mission Impossible, <laughs> the one who's after Ethan Hunt, uh, like oh, in the first one, yeah, yeah, like that's the kind of guy you want to play yeah. Felix Leiter. Also, um, lead
0: up the Felix where he's escaping. You know, after there's a lot of plot stuff. You know, I'm just gonna talk about everything I love about this movie. Is sure, that, sure, is that okay.
1: Um, Wait, if you're gonna do that, can I get can I get two things out of the way then? Two things out of the way. Uh the the money penny thing, it's just like Money Penny doesn't work. And I'm already sick of that shit. Yeah <laughs> I'm already sick of money penny. But it definitely doesn't work if it's like a cute blonde girl. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely doesn't work yeah. then. Because the yeah, whole point I, mean, I like I'm not I, saying I like, like she has to be ugly. I'm just saying like it's it's kinda like you know, I hate to say it, but it's like the whole point is like she's not like your traditional like what Bond usually yeah. ends up with. Like, My, I, I
0: guess I'm coming to the point too, and it's like I, again, this is me loving this movie. Yeah, but like I'm coming to the point and just looking ahead that like I think it's either like it has to be Lois Maxwell or you have to do it like they've done Money Penny in the past two movies. Yeah, like, oh, one hundred percent. Because like Lois Maxwell is such that character and yeah. such what you want to embody, and I, I just feel like going forward with the with these new money pennies yeah up until like the Brosnan films end that they don't really figure that out
1: it's also like works a little bit better if they're of similar age yeah too like and i mean like these two don't look like it the, it reads like money pennies like this girl in her 20s yeah um no, no, and, and, and I, yeah. now here's the thing another thing for all this talk about all these absurd when Bond jumps the shark in yep. like in future Bond movies, I know everybody hates the invisible car, mm-hmm. like things like that. But as we're watching these movies, I've seen gadgets that are way more absurd and way more dumb than the invisible car. Okay. And this one, I don't know if it takes the cake, but it's it's pre- I didn't have quite the reaction to like the machine that builds the face right but i did have like a uh, like hand to my brow on this you want to guess what it was is it the ghetto blaster no the ghetto blaster that was a joke i did not know how i felt about though. <laughs>
0: like, i feel like the, the gad- same way every time i watch this movie it's simultaneously like this is really bad but amazing no it
1: is because the gadget is great But then, like, when Q's like, we'll call it a ghetto blaster, I'm like, ooh, that...
0: Also, before you move on to that, can we also talk
1: about that couch? (laughs) The couch is great. Yeah, the couch 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 that, like, eats you and, like...
0: (laughs) That guy was not ready for it. Yeah. um, Uh, Is it the key, right? It's the key.
1: The key... Because it's like, here's a key that opens up 95% of the world's locks. And I'm like, what? What on earth are you talking about? Like, what and it, but the thing is like and they show it and it's just like this little kind of like wacky looking like <laughs> spike and it's just like how on earth does that fit 95 like it's not like nanotechnology it's not like shape shifting and why only 95% like what <laughs> like what other locks does it not open
0: up they, he was, you know, it, they were supposed to get the 100, but this mission came a lot too But
1: quickly. that, like, is infinitely more stupid than an invisible car. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's just like, that, well, no, and, that and doesn't the, even make any sense. And the
0: King Ring does other things, too. It releases, like, a, a gas. And yeah, yeah. Out and um, also explodes. Yeah. But the, I like the... It's a personal code. What's mine?
1: I, I also had to be honest. I was like, when the when the snow slide started i was like oh, okay like we've had so many of the snow slides i
0: see I, I this is probably my i mean like i really like the one in uh Free your eyes only but yeah. i like this one a lot i just yeah. think like i think the car brings a different dynamic and i think the again the silliness of them in the cello thing and then sure like, sure and then the end of the sequence
1: we have nothing to declare maybe it's only maybe it's one of those things where not everything holds up Upon binging, yeah, okay, no, you, I, no, I mean, you know what I mean. What it's I mean? Like, it's like maybe I'm just reacting because we've seen so yeah, many. Yeah, it's just like them. it's one of those things.
0: It's yeah. just like I love so many scenes, so many moments. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm just gonna go. Yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. What, what, what I like? love the relationship between Bond and Cara. Like, I, ooh, love, ooh. I, love, we may we may
1: fight on this one. Yeah, yeah I don't know. About I, I kind of got a feeling. Yeah, but, like
0: I, I just liked. I just, I don't know. It's something about, I think they, to me, they had a good chemistry. I think that, like, the build-up to it where, like, Bond's first, you know, using, like, again, that harder edge, like, using her for the information, but Mm -hmm. then kind of actually does, you know, care for her. And then, like, that scene, like, there's a scene with them, like, right before, when they're in Afghanistan, right before Bond's going to go out and, like, you know, destroy these drugs that Mm -hmm. they're selling. And... There's this, their little fight right there is like one of those things where I say like it's why kind of it humanizes Bond. Mm-hmm. There's a moment in that sequence where Bond like she she calls him a horse's ass in like her, in her native language, and Bond's like you know his a little laugh in his voice like you calling me a horse's ass and like to me it's like that humanness of like the little laugh that he gives in that scene and mm-hmm. just like kind of the way that he like is is just performing. It's like you couldn't do that with like any other other. Previous bonds, mm-hmm. And I think that really just, his, that's what really kind of brings Dalton up to me in this movie is like a lot of the interactions he has with her, whether it's, you know, uh, with her in that scene or like him being angry that his agent friend died, uh, you know that kind of finally helped him out and like kind of hurt brushing him off and that kind of like i anguish. thought
1: he played that very well i thought like that whole moment when like cuz i actually like that relationship actually uh, that that, that contentious yeah. like those two agents together like, But
0: bond is like he he has a code but he's like he's willing to bend the rules where like saunders is very much by the book yeah and, and yeah like, section 25 yeah need to know basis but like i
1: i was i have to be honest like when he got killed and bond was kind of bummed out about it yeah. I, I that played for me yeah but I thought like that i was just pretty good.
0: i just think that like the way that they go about it and then i also and i'm gonna be straight up about this i love <laughs> the absurdity of her just becoming like I'm going to go after Bond at the end of the movie. I just I just love that. Sure, I, sure. Like I enjoyed like her taking the gun and then her driving the car into the plane and and stuff like that. And still like still being like that civilian Bond girl, like still having those like panic moments, but st- but, but but picking herself up, is like I'm going to I'm going to do something here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like this this was kind of a little bit regressing back to what I don't like about Bond girls, where I I did feel like I felt like they introduced a cool concept for a Bond girl. Like I like the whole like she's a civilian and she's kind of like you can do the whole like civilian kind of caught up into all of this. Yeah, but it, it's just like eventually after a while, it, it became very clear that they they're giving nothing for this character to really do because it's like she's just kind of like along for the ride. Right. She's being duped half of the movie. Yeah, because the whole shtick is like so she's. What's his name? Yu Gi Oh. What's yeah. his name? <laughs> Yuri Cosgrove. Yeah, Yuri. Like, so she's his girlfriend. Yes, and she thinks Bond is like a buddy of his. Yeah, that's like escorting her to back to him. Yes. So there's that, but because throughout that stuff, like she's not really she has good chemistry with him. Yeah, but she's not doing anything. There's there's not. She's just kind of like along well, for the ride, being lied to, and then. But then at the same time, just like falling for Bond's old shit again, where they're now, now they're falling in love, like or they they yeah, yeah. so no it's see, just but I I I, think yeah, I, think I don't it's, know to
0: me it felt like a more natural progression mm-hmm. and that I think because she has, she's like she has a feeling that does like she's not like a Domino or something like that where even though I like Domino from Thunderball mm-hmm. like she's not like that where she's just like on vacation and then she's just following the Bond around she does have like passions and goals that like. You know, she still has, like, a a further character, I think, to me. That, like, she has this thing with being a cellist and wants to be, like, this world-class touring person. And, you know, again, you know, Yorgi and Brad have, like, afforded her this. But, but, like, I... I, I, Yeah. I To me, that kind of elevates her a little bit than, like, some of these other Bond girls that are just, like... That are really just there for the sake of a Bond
1: girl being there. But I think all that stuff is there. It's there on paper. I think it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it, it's one of these things like and I, i'm sorry i'm gonna pull this card I, maybe you just don't you don't need it to be like bond just like bond gets together with every girl in this movie like mm-hmm. maybe i'm kind of like at the point where i'm like I, maybe i don't need that in every movie and then yeah it's interesting to see that like the craig movies have kind of mitigated this to a certain degree to a certain degree um and like they they still have like you know his flings but I don't know. I feel like they, they've they just mitigated – like maybe Skyfall – maybe this is why I like Skyfall a lot because Skyfall is like the most – like they yeah. kind of – even like Skyfall has like a weird thing yeah, in it. The, yeah. Grosser moments, honestly. Yeah, it's funny that they mitigate it but then also make up for it by having like, one of the more gross moments. Yeah. But in it, like – I,
0: I don't know. To me, it, it, it works. Yeah. It's it just like I – it just
1: but, – But going back to what you're saying, like, like I get like – but then they still – it's well, just like, more so, I, like, cause it's, it's directed in a way where, like, she's always, like, she's just so enamored with Bond. Like, see,
0: I don't know if I read it like that.
1: Like, yeah, but, like, towards think, the end of the movie I when they're he, in the jail cell, she's just like, oh, my God, as long as we're together. Like, I'm like, ugh. because
0: yeah, Yorgi's already betrayed her. But anyways, I'm going to move on.
1: Well, Oh, what? So, like, the one the one asshole in her life, like, kicks her to the curb, yeah. so she just attaches to the well, next one? because it's
0: a guy, like, you know, in that scene where he's like, I, he
1: told her that I didn't kill you. I know, but, like, it's stuff like that. And it kind of sounds like we're arguing. We're really not, <laughs> but it's like it to me. It's stuff like that where it's like I get it. Like she betrayed him, but for him to betray her and then she just falls into the hands of the next guy yeah. doesn't sit well with me. Is That's, all I'm saying.
0: I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's in this. Yeah, uh, another thing to mention. I I do love having John Reese Davies in that movie. In yes, one hundred percent. The scene where Bond is in Reese uh, in uh, Pushkin's yeah. hotel or like the his room with his mistress. Mm-hmm. Like that harder, that's the harder edge bond that I think Dalton really wants to play. I yeah. think he plays it very well. I do too. There's and a I, little nipple in this movie. There is a little. Yeah. <laughs> n- there is a little nipple in this <laughs> there, movie. It's a little nipple. But I, I just love like in, in Pushkin and just Reese Davies has that voice. Like oh yeah, for misusing state funds. Yeah, like all that stuff's great. Really quickly, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the score just mm-hmm. really quickly because this is John Barry's last score, mm-hmm. and he's done all of them except for three. And um, what I love about this score that makes it so unique is it actually has, like, three songs that kind of relate to it. Obviously, there's the opening song by Aha, um The Living Daylights.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of liked it.
0: I like the song. Yeah. Uh, there's also the song that Necros keeps listening to. Which yes. Is, <laughs> yeah. Where's Everybody Gone by The Pretenders. Yeah. Which I love as like a little because obviously it plays in the score as well mm-hmm. but there's that little moment where like saunders and beyond are eating meeting in the ca- the cafe when they're trying to figure out like you know the plot and like saunders is kind of coming around to, to bond and you just hear all you hear is like you see necros and you hear the music and you kind of it's just a little bit of a tension moment for me where you're like oh it's that music it's the assassin yeah who's gonna kill saunders no he
1: was very i thought effective as oh, like Necro- that necros, assassin yeah necros character. Is, i think
0: is a very underrated uh like um henchman character like maybe not like you know not at the Jaws level but I think like he plays his role well yeah I think he he has a presence I think the song makes him give him a a little bit of unique Mm -hmm. like yeah that's like his thing yeah and uh, and then there's also like the love scene that plays at the end the end that also plays in the Vienna stuff
1: um weird, weird small moment that I was like, oh, this is interesting is like so they there's like a kind of a fight scene between the villain and not even a secondary character in this movie. So like he it's when what's his name? Necros or whatever? Yeah, Necros, yeah. So he sounds like a soul caliber character. <laughs> where he's like uh he he infiltrates into that base and he's just fighting a random security guard. Yeah. And I just thought it was kind of interesting and kind of cool that like right, oh like He's fighting, like, the chef. Yeah, too. but it's, like, it's just interesting, like, because in all these movies, like, despite all these people being trained fighters, like, the bad guy always comes in and just wipes the floor with them. I yeah. just thought it was interesting. Well, it it's, like, makes, well, no, I mean, there would be a fight. Like, yeah. the, these guys are capable especially fighters.
0: Especially, like, like, it's an MI6 safe house, so probably, like, everybody there from, yeah. like, the gardener to the, to the chef is, like, trained to fight, Right,
1: too. but I just like that because it added – it's things like that that make – this world feel real Mm -hmm. like because i feel like when people say like oh it's got to feel real they like ground it and take that stuff out of it but no it kind of makes it feel real it's like well no if all these guys are trained mi6 agents like a random guy should be able to fight off this guy at least a little bit i I just it was a small moment i liked
0: like and just as an overall as we kind of wrap up Mm -hmm. because we've gone all over the place and
1: what can I, one last thing yeah. uh, that's more substantive? Because I really did like that last scene in the in the war room.
0: Oh, with, with, with yeah, it, yeah, like
1: to me, like that was fun. Like, and it, and maybe that's what was frustrating because, like, that I would love to see as like a whole set piece. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know it's very like silly and maybe like I said, Batman ish, but. It's just, like, because he's got, like, all these, like, little cannons everywhere, and he's, like, you pressing know, a button, know, and the animatronic, like, lights a cannon. Like, it's awesome. There's a
0: little detail about that set. that The like,
1: gun with the shield
0: yeah, on it? Yeah. <laughs> well, the great. whole set of Whitaker's Hideout. Like he has all the models of like the generals of history, right? Yeah, and like it's very like you can't really tell unless you you really look hard, but they all are modeled after Joe Don Baker. Oh, really? Yeah, that's awesome. So it's basically like, oh, here's like Napoleon, but it has Joe Don Baker's face. But that's in it. what
1: I mean. Like, it's just that's so cool and unique that it's it it does kind of become like that's just such a small piece of yeah. the movie where yeah. I'm like that's deserving of a little bit more. Um, so I think.
0: just just some, some last things. I love kind of how slimy Kozgov is. I love how just, like... uh, I like that. I like how he plays... The guy plays, like, kind of just over-the-top, kind of, like, silly at some points, and I think that kind of works as kind of, like, he's goofy. Like, he's this goofy guy, but he has this, like, kind of plan to, like, get back up and, like, rush your things. Um, Just, uh... And just as an overall, like, I think just... Thinking about the movie as a whole and mm-hmm. thinking about Dalton, I think what I like most about Dalton is I think he brings a lot of variety of emotions to the Bond role that I think you only got in fleeting cases with, like, Moore and even Connery. Like I think, I'd i agree with that. I think, like, because, like, like, Moore we saw, like, in Octopussy when he's, like, worried about the bomb. And, like, Connery, you have, like, bits and pieces of it throughout stuff like, you know, Goldfinger and Thunderball to an extent. Um, and from Rush with Love especially. But Dalton, like he plays, like he can be smooth. He can be like angry. He can have that, like you know, that, that again, that little laugh that he has, mm-hmm. and like that little kind of. He 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 makes Bond feel like a more real human, and that's really the transition for the franchise. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, I love the reason that Dalton kind of is my favorite is just like I just think he stands out in that way. Mm-hmm. And and I think for me, why The Living Daylights is a favorite of mine is like, and this is just me, like, I'll say it, but, like, (laughs) just the whole movie gives me that pure joy. It still gives me that great Bond action. Mm -hmm. It still gives me some of that silliness, some incredible sequences like the sniper sequence, and I think, like, I... And to me, the third act, like, I love the third act because it has such a weird, speed-esque, just, like, escalation of like oh they're on the ground oh now they're near he has to defuse the bomb oh he has to fight on this thing oh then now he has to drop the bomb but they're gonna crash and now you know this i just love that kind of escalation of it and like i think the movie for me retains that joy through the middle mm. through my love for the relationship between car and bond and the more spy elements of it that mm. i've really figured out that i love about the franchise
1: I think for me the best part of this movie is that it sets a new direction mm-hmm. uh, for because that was the most effective stuff for me. And, yeah. you know, and and I can often be critical about like you know now we're gonna take it seriously, um, but in, in many ways I felt like it, it worked and it reinvigorated and uh, for me a new direction that it was going. I like Dalton. Um, you know, overall I think that it doesn't quite maintain. It, it just loses steam a little bit for me. I think that it starts off and sets a new path to do it, to to go down, but for me, doesn't quite pick it up, you know, or things like, you know, I I, st- I feel like the, so I feel like the characters don't get as much to chew on um, as I think um, that they could to keep it, like, going. Um, and maybe it's because it's that little bit of a lack of focus. You know, it, it does kind of a thing where you get halfway through the movie and we're introducing new elements and characters, mm-hmm. which I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm always one of those people. I think there comes a point in the movie where probably now is not the time to introduce completely new parties to your story. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I will give it the credit, though. I am excited to see where this goes. And it is refreshing to see yeah. a brand new direction.
0: And uh, yeah. Yeah. I love Dalton. I love this movie. I'm.
1: I like Dalton. He he's he's good. I think. I,
0: I I'm. I'm just happy that I like this movie. <laughs> okay. And I'm I'm. But I can also appreciate your opinion on this. You know. Yeah. You know. I don't have to be like you're wrong. You're not.
1: You're right in your own way. Nice nice subtle reference to Star Wars fandom. <laughs> the Star Wars episode. Here. <laughs> All right, come on. We got, Don't we have an aftermath? We have an aftermath. Like, come yeah, on, let's go. I, I was
0: waiting for you to introduce me to the aftermath. You should say, let's go to the aftermath. Oh, let's go to the aftermath. <laughs> okay, let's go to the aftermath. So movie releases June 20th, 1987. Big premiere, big, again, marketing campaign, the 25th anniversary. Roger Moore hosts a TV special that kind of is a retrospective on 25 years of Oh, Bond, that's cool. Uh, and then also introducing, you know, like the living daylights to the, like, to the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's a worldwide premiere. Uh, does a very successful number, a hundred ninety-one million worldwide. Mm-hmm. So very much more above what Moore's last movie did, um, and it was pretty well reviewed. Um, you know about you know mostly mostly positive. People like the change in direction. Mm-hmm. People like Dalton a lot. Um, some of the stuff about it, maybe some people thought the plot was a little convoluted. Yeah, I mean, I, some people were on your side of it. Um, and some people did find that there was like a lack of humor actually, uh, that people have associated with the bond franchise. Like Roger Ebert famously said that he didn't find there was, you know, as much humor as, as he thought there would be.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I would probably agree with but,
0: that. But, but generally speaking, um, even Washington, the Washington post, uh, said that this is the best bond, uh, or Dalton plays the, I should say Dalton plays the best bond ever. Mm-hmm. Like this I is hated. the best James Bond. Yes. yeah, it's yes, Not the best bond movie. Yeah. But it's necessarily, um, but, uh, it's, it, again, this is kind of, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but it, it's really interesting into the legacy of it. Mm-hmm. Because again, even within the Bond fandom, just sometimes it feels like the Dalton movies are just both kind of swept to the side because they're just, it's, you know, it's not as fascinating to people as the B movies, the B movie was, um, and it's just kind of like before, like, you know, Goldeneye, which is a very fan favorite among the Bond team. Um, but there are, there are defenders of, uh, this films in particular, um people do like uh Dalton's first performance as Bond and um there is some love for some of the other kind of elements especially that sniper sequence that stands out to a lot of bond That people. that is a really good scene no, in this whole, movie. The whole scene is great.
1: And I actually would even go as far as to say I think it may be a Bond highlight just in general. Like I I I do like it.
0: Yeah. Um but that's pretty much it for the aftermath again it's just uh it seems like there's a new era beginning for Timothy Dalton. Yeah and then uh, the key that key includes word, one more movie includes, and that's <laughs> the keyword it seems
1: um but uh yeah so uh oh and um of course who is Harrison Ford in this movie So
0: Harrison Ford there's a part in the movie where like Kosgoff uh is turning uh, he's turning in Bond as a defect or a traitor or like the killer of Pushkin and then he also turns in Kara and he mentions oh, I'm going to send you to the Siberian Philharmonic Orchestra uh and I think he's uh harrison ford is the leader of the siberian like <laughs> orchestra he's a conductor
1: i was gonna say like he, he he's got to be involved in like the conducting yeah uh, of, of, of one. Of i those think like this yeah. whole
0: like you know siberia and like that's like you know known as like the russian like you know if you're bad you're going to siberia i'll
1: accept that one okay i'll accept that one all right nick well uh that's uh that's, that's it living- for this that, and uh where will we be seeing uh Tim, Tim, Tim D, Timmy D. So, Timothy Dalton, this has one
0: more movie to go. Uh Uh-huh. And he's going to pull uh, Ethan Hunt. He's going rogue. Oh, no. (laughs) He's going rogue. In one of the most interesting Bond movies. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not going to spoil too much because I kind of want you to go into it not knowing what happens. But we're going to talk about Dalton's final movie, License to
1: Kill. Okay. All right. Because Bond's always about having that license to kill. It's it's time for it to finally play a play a role i guess yeah. i don't know um but anyway nick next week uh, or next time it's not a bond it's, it's a godzilla no, it's godzilla it's not the bond of the bonzilla it's the godzilla of the bonzilla yeah. and we will be and i touch the i'm sorry everybody technical difficulties I touched a touch the cable is everybody okay i think so <laughs> uh but next time is godzilla and uh as it is the summer of dalton it is the summer of of Mecha Godzilla and we will be seeing the return of Mecha Godzilla next time we're on the Bodzilla podcast in 1975's
0: Terror of Mecha Godzilla. Sounds like a good title at least.
1: Um so anyway, yep, yeah, so we're done. I'm we're done. We're
0: done. We're done. We got plugs BonzillaPodGmail.com. email us. twitter.com/bonzilla07 tweet us. facebook.com/bonzilla07 like us. <laughs> I mean, there's not, like, Facebook us, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Soundcloud.com slash 007, bonsell 007. Uh, Go ahead and listen there. Um, You're also listening on iTunes. You can like and subscribe, share with your friends. That's it.
1: All right. Okay. Well, Nick, uh, to the summer of Dalton. To the summer
0: of Dalton and to that one girl who put her boobs in that guy's face. Yes. And then pushed him
1: away. <laughs> and then we find out later that she's also capable of crushing a man's head yeah. with, her, with her thighs. Mm. Yeah. We we'll want to see her come back. <laughs> Peace. Uh-